You're listening to Black Neon Digital Podcast, episode 12, Charlotte Instone, Know the Origin. Welcome to Black Neon Digital Podcast. I'm your host, Jodie Muta Hamilton, and I believe the future of fashion is to honour craftsmanship whilst embracing innovation and to support each other to build businesses that have integrity. The entrepreneurs and visionaries who we speak to are using fashion as a way to create change finding new ways of working towards a more ethical, sustainable and connected fashion industry. Having the courage to speak up and question the way things are done is something Charlotte Instone, founder of Know the Origin, completely understands. While studying buying at London College of Fashion, Charlotte was so moved by the Rana Plaza collapse that she not only questioned the way the fashion industry works, but also questioned her own perception and beliefs. Feeling a huge disconnect between garments and the people making them, Charlotte decided to find out for herself how Rana Plaza affected the survivors and the fashion industry. After visiting more than 150 factories, Charlotte has devised a system by which she is confident the factories know the origin work with meet her high standards. In this podcast, I speak to Charlotte about why she felt compelled to start Know the Origin, what it means to the business that they have been awarded Ethical Consumer Magazine top-rated brand, and about her exciting plans for Know the Origin Transparent Marketplace. Thank you so much for coming down today. Um, Brave the elements, and we are actually sat here, which is brilliant. Thank you. Um, could you just go into a little bit about your initial background? So I know you've done buying degree at LCF and kind of what and what made you get into that? You know, why did you start there? I started um, Know the Origin, which is a fair trade and organic fashion label. So we offer um, customers like full transparency right from seed um, to final garment. Um, for me, the journey really started um, when I was at London College of Fashion. I was studying buying and merchandising. Um, and in my second year of uni, the Rana Plaza factory collapsed. Um, and I'd been aware of sweatshops and kind of this distant term, but hadn't really linked it um, to the degree that I was doing or the lifestyle that I was living. Um, and basically in this Rana Plaza factory collapse, they were making clothes for Primark, Mango, Gap, um, a lot of kind of high street retailers. And there were 1,100 people that died in this factory collapse and over 2,500 people that were injured. Um, And I think I remember being outside university and just flicking through pictures on the BBC um, news app and just being, like, horrified that, um, you know, that it wasn't something that I'd thought about before. Um, My degree was looking at the processes behind ordering clothes, working with factories, you know, how you maximise the profit there, um, and it, I just, it just hadn't crossed my mind. There was a huge disconnect. And so I spent the next year and a half just really like learning as much as I could about where our clothes were made, how they were made. Um, I went out to Bangladesh and India quite a few times and visited um, over like 150 factories. Um, just really understanding like the issues and the complexity at each stage. Um, were you the only one of your kind of like, 
you know your your peers doing that at that time you know were you, did anyone else go with you were they interested you know yeah it- so well I had one friend in my class that was um and she was like a raging vegan and she was the one that had initially actually um before Rana Plaza she'd mentioned a lot of these issues but from like an environmental perspective um and I hadn't I don't know something just didn't quite click and then um kind of over the next two years of uni, we did a lot of research together. We read um, Naked Fashion by Safi and Minnie, which was an amazing kind of first introduction to this. Um, we put on like an ethical fashion show in London. So we had like over 40 brands um, basically raising money for um, a cha- like a women's textile project that I was working on that summer in Tanzania. Um, so yeah, there was it was kind of me and her that were known as the ethical ones that made it really awkward and uncomfortable in lectures when we'd ask a lot of questions and um, just challenge some of what was being said. I think there was um, there were others that were obviously that cared about people and, and the environment, but it, was, it wasn't so much of a, a passion or a priority. It's interesting because you said, um, you know, you felt possibly made to feel a little bit uncomfortable about that challenge do you think that Mm. was um just down to the fact that you know it's what you've been taught is about margin supply and kind of like keeping costs down so you can make as much Mm. money or or why do you feel that was um well I think it's like LCF has been an institution that is world famous for that course and for um business management and for fashion and I think they're so pioneering in so many areas, um, creating some of the world's most incredible designers and um, just a real sense of creativity. But this, I mean, before, like two or three years ago, this was something that really wasn't being talked about. It wasn't on the agenda. Um, We set up the first sustainability society at London College of Fashion, which kind of blew my mind because introducing thing going like has been happening for over 100 years and um yeah it was kind of a real privilege to be part of making that conversation and um I think it is just uncomfortable for people to um be challenged or to be questioned or made to think that there is a different way of doing things and yeah I guess being that person Mm -hmm. that's challenging it it, like when you're a minority it is it's a bit awkward Mm. (laughs) but you know you did it and that's kind of what's been the rock of your yeah definitely (laughs) and I think that that came out of um I think when you've seen something firsthand you can't stay quiet it's no longer just like this thing that I saw it on the news and it made me really sad like having sat with the survivors of the Ron Plaza factory collapse and spending a few days hearing their stories and that's something that will never leave um and I went out as well to um on one of my summers in my second year um went out to Jordan to Zatari refugee camp um and spent time working on like a UN um textiles project there um and I think just seeing like the fact that they were building garment factories outside of the refugee camp purely because they could get workers yeah Mm. them like the most vulnerable people with no documentation that were desperate and like the fact that somebody in a boardroom somewhere has made that decision like hey where can we get cheap labor like what about 
what about this area? Like it was not done on a like these people need jobs, let's help, and let's like it was very much the opposite mm. end of the spectrum. And I think uh, you know you look at why brands produce in Bangladesh and in Cambodia and in a lot of these developing countries. It's not because they're doing it out of the good of their heart is because they're some of the most unregulated countries in terms of like the laws around wages and um and they can get away with the most basically so um that brings us on quite nicely to sort of you know wages certification how you benchmark things because i know that's massively key to what you do with know the origin can you just mm. describe a little bit about that like how you know how do you go to a factory how do you look at you know their conditions and their pay and how do you trust that mm. they are what they say they are yeah so for us um i mean the standard started as an absolute minimum of being fair trade and organic um, like got certified because um, for us that shows then that has cost that factory or that business something um, to be it um, I think a lot of the time you can tell quite quickly whether a factory has a certification and is kind of I think for me like actions speak a lot louder than words and um if you get to a factory and they're like here's a certificate we've done this and you're a bit like oh you're mm. trying quite hard here um whereas when you go to a factory and you can see you know we spend a lot of time talking to people outside of work and um really looking at the projects and seeing what the factory are doing that they don't have to do because I think that can be a real indicator of how much you value the workforce. Um, we worked a lot with um, kind of a lot of different mentors to look at the process of how we choose suppliers. Um, so it's kind of, it, it is about what they're not, you know, saying that they're doing that's as important as well, actually, as what they say they're doing. So, you know, the sort of well-being, the kind of, if they're doing, you know, really nice meals and kind of looking after people in a, a more holistic way as well isn't it exactly like I really believe that people were made to thrive and should be able to thrive in work and that doesn't look like you know you you can get fair trade factories where it can get workplaces in the UK that are living wage but actually people are still treated like slaves in terms of the working hours like the actual like not being valued or not being invested into and I, I think that's just as important as yeah being mm. paid <laughs> yeah being paid yeah the like development route to sort of yeah you know your own incremental change in life and kind of growing yourself as exactly well as really and I think so we've been to factories where um they've been like they've on paper like amazing fair trade organic they tick all the boxes um but it is just an assembly line and people are often like you know we'll sew one part of the garment like we do the sleeve or we do the cuff and it's very quick it's very efficient it's very clean factory but actually is is that person valued or invested into so one of the factories that we use um they are a lot slower in their production it's incredibly um most would argue like silly way of making clothing because everybody is taught every single part of the garment um but actually that means that then people have 
a wider range of skills and then when they go to get jobs at other factories they can then negotiate for a higher salary because they have more skills and more mm. training so you know we pay more for our products but we pay for that because people people mm. have training and have education as part of that you say you pay more but actually your um prices are amazingly like well not even competitive i would say mm. cheap compared to what you know is out on the market for other ethical brands um how how do you make them at that price? Because, you know, I, I have looked at other brands and, you know, T-shirt for £60 is not unheard of. Yours is more like £25. Is that just economies of scale or, you know, how, how do you do it, Charlotte? Yeah, um, <laughs> so something that I was really passionate about when we started was making ethical fashion affordable. Um, I started with the question that was where the brand name came out of Node Origin is actually can you know where something's come from and can it be affordable um, and it can be <laughs> um, mm. so we basically we went in quite large with our orders and with our scale um, so we buy the minimum orders for fair trade and organic cotton are a lot higher um, just because of the knitting process mm. of factories um, so we basically have ordered a lot in bulk and then mm. we either sell that to other brands or um, yeah mm. that's kind of how we how we're able to do it yeah. um, and get the cost lower for fabrics and um, for the dyeing process. Um, but actually our the margin that we make on the clothing is um, significantly less than a lot mm. of brands. And actually because of our price points, we're unable to do uh, like wholesale. So we wouldn't be able to sell into stores um, because we kind of cut that middleman out mm. of our pricing. Um, so that's something in terms of growth that we're just looking at a lot um, is but you also have the um, certified so can you just explain what certified by know the origin is because that's another way I guess you can you know have the amount of bulk and, and exactly sort of, yeah. Um, yeah so we have another side of the business called certified by know the origin and this part of the business is where we make like t-shirts or hoodies or jumpers basically any type of like printed merch that a business could want um or a charity that they want to produce in line with their values so um we don't really advertise that we do this but it's just something that enables us to meet like the minimum orders because often they're for like the fabric you have to buy like enough for hundreds and hundreds um so we basically have bought thousands of t-shirts and jumpers and and we hold them and then print them in the UK so that's how we were able to get the cost price that we do but on the on that side of the business we really make like a pound Mm. for each thing that we sell like enables you to do what you want with yeah with the fashion side Mm. of it it basically lets us get fabrics Mm. um that we wouldn't otherwise be able to access Mm. Because, I mean, the, another interesting element to it is obviously you it enables you to then collaborate with people as well. So I know um, you did something with Sophie from Birdsong. So that's mm. kind of like a nice way to tie things in as well anyway. Um, gives you another outlet. Exactly. Um, what I just want to talk a little bit about is what does... Um, so that we've talked about certifications, but then there's also... 
um, you know, been accredited for things like you've, I know you've got the ethical consumer top rated brand now. Um, what does that mean to a business like you? Does that enable you to, you know, have an award that will enable you to get more funding or, or you know, how, how important is that to you? Um, well, it was just a huge it was huge for us because we're such a small team like there's just three of us um I'm the only one full-time at the moment and I think to to be recognized for the hard work that you put in like we've been going now for just over a year and that whole first year was basically just spent like developing the supply chains and and um yeah really not compromising on the producer groups that we're working with and that basically means it's been a lot slower for us like we we could if we compromised on our fabric standards have like a hundred different amazing offcuts and like all this stuff but actually we said like no we this is what we value and if we can't if we can't be sure that there's not been human trafficking or child labor in that fabric then it's not good enough and we're, we're gonna have to grow slower and do less mm-hmm. so I think for ethical consumer to recognize you know that we are the highest standard at the moment in fashion industry is is was like and amazing I mean, that's, that's against some extremely established brands as well isn't it so yeah it's, yeah it's kind of like you've got the top of of anyone out there really yeah. which is quite incredible for a very young brand yeah and I think it's helped us in terms of like um it hasn't necessarily helped us like get funding or anything but I think it's just given us like the authority to um speak on this and like in more places mm. and educate more through it um and I think it's definitely um we're at the moment building like a transparency marketplace so that'll go live in April and I think it's helped us get other brands on board mm. that are also transparent because it's kind of shown that we're we're not just saying hey we want to you know build this business and do this it shows that actually we're really practicing what we mm. what we're saying and what we're talking about how how's the marketplace going to work then what does it look like in effect are you having a physical shop or is it all online or or what is it so basically it's going to be a marketplace um we're going to have like 50 to 70 brands on there initially um and they'll all be available um online apart from a few of the brands that are really fragile um and they'll just be available in our pop-up spaces so we're going to do a pop-up um another pop-up in london for august and then for december probably around covent garden area and then we're going to do three two-week pop-ups in bristol brighton and manchester so that's going to be just a really fun way to meet people because i think sometimes when you're an online business it, it can be quite you're selling this stuff and shipping this stuff out and i think to actually have a space where you can meet people that are buying it is amazing and um yeah I think we have even on our Instagram like such an amazing community of people that are so passionate and doing so much in this space like why would we not want to bring all these people together um I think the store that we did we did our first pop-up in December and um I think having we had like a different event every day in store around like sustainability and um the future of it and I think creating a space where people can like explore these issues um I find like as exciting if not more exciting than creating 
a shop or a platform. Mm. I mean, that that's very your brand, though, isn't it? It's very people centric. So, mm. you know, it's it's almost I get the feeling that it's less about the product, even though the product's amazing. It's kind of the values and the people and the community from the factory to the people that you're selling to. And then mm. again, on the certified by Know the Origin, it's it's sort of enabling them to get a product that they want. And it's very it's very sort of like fluid and kind of I don't know what the right word for it, but about it's people centric, yeah. you know. Um, and I think that engagement from pop up shops is is amazing. And I know also that you, you know, you're working incredibly hard and you're very busy at the minute. And I know that you do a lot of um, sort of events and speaking at events and things. Um can you just explain, so you were at one last night, was it, the the Yonder Collective? Can you yeah. just explain what that's about? And then I know you've got one tomorrow as well. Um, so Yonder Collective is basically run by these two amazing girls that um, they basically had the concept of um, let's basically like connection. Um, and we've lost that a lot nowadays. So they basically create this table um, and then everybody has like... Um, just amazing food they collaborate with loads of artisans for like the flowers to make special chocolate just for that event like um amazing food and um you then switch around and like meet different people during the event so it's full of like creatives and entrepreneurs and people starting stuff or people wanting to start stuff um and it's just a real time of like meeting incredible kind of inspiring people and um and yes as part of that event I did a talk after dinner on like cultivating courageousness um and kind of a bit about the know the origin journey and actually practically how do we be brave and like how do we um speak up for what you believe in yeah exactly and not like compromise in a world that has a massive deficit on courage like how do we be people that that and that changed things so yeah that was a really interesting um really interesting event and then I'm doing one tomorrow um in partnership with Supply Compass um, and that's all about like how you build a sustainable brand so it's a panel discussion with them and um what's your legacy who make like incredible um like yeah the videos YouTube are yeah videos yeah. on like everything sustainable um so yeah yeah cool um I just wanted to go back a little bit to this element of kind of like rating and certifications, which I bang on all the time. Um, but it's it's important to me because I like organisation and sorting mm. things out. And it, I, I still to this day find it quite difficult to know exactly what I'm buying. And you've been very clear on your website about, you know, who makes it, where it comes from, what factory, who they, you know, who they work with, where even, you know, where the cotton comes from and everything to the point of you've got pictures of the actual workers. Mm. Um, so, you know, we can see for ourselves, we believe you, because there's, mm. there's the pictures of the actual person. Yeah. But how how can we, as an industry, kind of build back the trust that I feel we've lost a little bit? Because, you know, we do have green washing, we're in Brexit, we're kind of, we've got Trump and it's just all, mm. everything's got a little bit mad. So, like, you know, what would you feel is the way that we can claw that trust back and, and understand you know, to yeah. trust people again. Yeah, <laughs> uh, big questions. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think, so I think for me, 
well, obviously being know the origin, like I really believe that the only way we can do it is transparency. Um, I think there are a lot of brands out there that make a lot of bold claims about ethical practice and um, but actually, unless you're like letting people decide that themselves, then I, I don't really believe that it's honest or um, that we should take brands word for it. Um, I think they say at the moment that like 61% of brands um, don't know where their clothes are made and um, like 93% have no idea where the fabrics come from. And like that's a phenomenal amount um, of brands and production and of millions of people that are involved in those processes that aren't recognised or seen um, behind the clothes that we're buying. Um, so I really believe in in order for us to be able to trust I think we have to demand that information and um yeah I'm quite a vaccine number person so Mm. (laughs) I'm like unless I see it there's no proof um and like I think that was something that was really important with every garment that we've made is like recording being in the factory when that was being made and recording that exact garment and the person that's touched it Mm. and made it and um because I don't think you can argue with it then because it's, it's evidence-based yeah, it's like essentially you can yeah. see the fabric you can yeah. see the person sewing it like and I also think we've we've really robbed ourselves of like the value of that as well that connection and and like we don't value our clothes because we don't know how they've been made or that the amount of work that's been involved in that or the fact that a cotton farm has been like in that field for six months like cultivating and growing that cotton and then you know it spent like days being dyed and dried out and dyed again and like I think until we really see yeah see Mm, the process behind things I don't think we're gonna trust it and I think that just comes with yeah that honesty but also um like time like education and um that's why we're so passionate with the pop-up stores about making them spaces where people can learn and and grow because actually like before two years ago I never even touched cotton like I didn't know that it came out of a plant from the ground which sounds stupid but um like yeah I think we have to just go back to the very beginning and look at you know how my old clothes are being made in the way they are and I think as well you know you touched on it before that that you were in fashion doing a buying degree Mm. and you still were you know sort of yeah Yeah. um you know and that's you who's in the industry yeah and it's got to ripple has a has a ripple effect you know around the different levels of consumers and different ages and it's going to take quite a long time because you know we sit here and we talk about ethical fashion but we're in in it at the minute we're in the scene we know other people doing it and it's kind of seems all consuming but you know it it could take 10 15 years like we've discussed I think it definitely will like even for brands to get a hold of where their stuff is being made now I think um will probably take Mm. that long and I think it requires consumers pressurizing brands to find out because at the moment you've got businesses where you have say 200 people in the marketing team and then five people in the in the ethical auditing team like of course that's not going to be a quick Mm. change because you're not prioritizing that so I guess it yeah requires change and awareness from all all parties aside from yourself um what other brands would you say you know should we look to or perhaps are coming on your marketplace who else 
is cool. Um, we have a number of brands on the platform. So brands like Birdsong, um, who make um, ethical fashion in London with different women's producer groups. We have brands like Jolly Socks um, that basically have a wear a pair, share a pair model um, and kind of their whole business model is built around um, supporting and working with homeless people or people that were trapped in homelessness. Um, and then we have kind of brands like, um, you know, Armed Angels and um, kind of other fair trade brands, um, candle brands like Lux um, and Starling Candle, who um, they basically, their candles are all made in New York, but all of their profits go towards supporting solar energy projects around Africa and basically working with communities that don't have electric so kind of every every business or product that we've got on the platform um minimum discloses where it's made at every stage but also more than that meets six of the 30 standards that we've created um that look at like the impact on people the planet and also the purpose behind the business so when you when you shop that product you'll be able to see the supply chain but also kind of why it's ethical because I think that sometimes can be really different from brand to brand like some brands look at um they're just really passionate about like hey we want to give profit um but actually there's not that much that goes into the like the ethical production mm, like the they just use normal yeah. um normal factories and so I think it's really interesting to be able to um recognize and like celebrate brands that are doing it differently and mm. that are um making more steps towards that so would you say aesthetically it's aligned to your own brand or is it quite different or it's quite different um our brand's quite colorful just because I think I'm quite a colorful person but I think the platform will be a bit more neutral um a lot of the brands on there uh there are probably around 50 other transparent brands, but we decided just to work with these ones because they fit the customer profile of what we're what we're looking for. And just, I think, first and foremost, look like a really cool product. Mm. And then secondary, our sustainability, um, like our sustainable as a given. Um, that was something that was really important to us because I think when you start when you start compromising on one of those things, then you, um, it like dilutes the look of the brand. Um, and I think sustainable has had this reputation of being a bit like you have to compromise on like mm. style or environmental or social ethics or the price even, like it's going to be really expensive or itchy and actually like that's not the case. Um, so I think having something that um, a lot of my friends at, uh, from uni from London College of Fashion are like very cool so I think when we were putting it together we were like would they wear that would they um, you know are people that shop on the high street gonna want to wear this because I think I, I'm in like a bubble of being in this sphere of like ethical and sustainable like mm. all the time <laughs> so I think in my head like it's good to step back and and just think you know that's less than one percent of mm. the population yeah. like what does everybody else think about let this the product speak for itself exactly yeah, you're kind of operating in a world that actually you know the visual element is still to this day sort of overrides the ethical reasons for people mm. buying stuff it's almost like we we're talking actually off air a little bit about um 
it's almost like ethical or sustainable is now being seen as an add-on, not necessarily mm. a reason to buy in something. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah, and I think that's how it should be. Like, f- if we're gonna if we're gonna make ethical fashion a norm or a, a standard that it just should be across all of the high street, then product and style has to come first and then the sustainability mm. element should just be a given so I think yeah I think that's really important for yeah. us with no deodorant yeah. yeah um so is there anything that you want to add Charlotte do you want to tell us a bit about your you know what what's coming in the next couple of months so um we're going to be crowdfunding in the middle of March um so you can follow that on our Instagram um at know the origin um or you can check out our marketplace that's launching in April just on knowtheorigin.com. What are you crowdfunding for? What specifically? Um so for the marketplace we're going to okay. crowdfund um for 20,000 uh, basically in, in order to be able to get the stock here there's a lot of brands that we're working with um in australia and new zealand that most of the brands are from countries like that that are so much further ahead than the uk in terms of sustainability so we want to be able to import all of that product so that people then don't have to pay individual shipping fees you can be able to get it like next day and that's something that's really exciting for us um and i think just building like shelves to be able to store it all and like some of the less glamorous mm-hmm. things like that and, and um, getting your dad off fulfillment <laughs> yeah <laughs> poor dad <laughs> um yeah we're gonna hire someone to um a wonderful girl called sarah to basically hopefully be able to do that a bit more regularly yeah brilliant how exciting cool thank you thanks for having thank me you. Charlotte's extensive first-hand experience of working with factories, her courage, determination and non-compromising approach has positioned herself and Know the Origin at the forefront of sustainable fashion, setting a new standard for honesty and transparency in fashion. Till next time, be sure to join the conversation via Instagram at Black Neon Digital, Twitter at Digital Neon and online at blackneondigital.com. If you enjoyed the podcast, please rate and review us in iTunes as it helps other people like you to find us and build our growing community.